Hello, everyone. Joseph Adams, welcome in. I see Liberty. Welcome back from Facebook jail. Uh, I am so excited to be here with you guys. So excited. Uh, tonight, I, I hope I have a show worthy of your guys' um, attention. And uh, boy, am I ready to discuss this all with you. Talking about healthcare tonight, it's an important topic because so many of us have, especially surrounding COVID and everything else going on, um, there is much ado with this topic. Uh, everyone has their opinions, and so I wanted to take a little bit of time tonight in order to break some of these down and, and have a good, robust conversation around it. Um, in the past, we've been trying to keep these conversations a little bit shorter, and tonight, I gotta I got to say... Actually, I could probably take these off, can't I? Um, I got to say that tonight, we're going to be changing it up a little bit, and we're going to actually extend it out. So we're probably going to be sitting, trying to keep this within an hour, um, but we all know, we all know how libertarians go. Yeah, you missed the intro. Uh, the song was actually was called uh, Tyranny. Oh, I already closed out the tab, so I don't have it anymore. But the song was called Tyranny. It's a new metal, royalty-free music, um, but... <laughs> the heat from those peppers burned off the side of his head <laughs> yes yes it did those were hot and spicy um but i want to thank you guys all for being here and as i said we're going to be getting into the incredibly important topic of healthcare tonight and so we're gonna we're gonna hit um a lot of different topics and and just for the sake of transparency um because i want to take deep dives into things um what we're going to start off with is we're going to hit a lot of different topics tonight and then over time we'll come back and we'll dive deep into these different specifics um in order to give you guys the, the as many talking points and as many points to to do your own research on and to be able to use um when you're in, interacting in your day-to-day -day conversations with people who you may disagree with um but first before we get into that we do have a little bit of housekeeping to do so of course if this is your first time here welcome in my name is jason lyon i am mr murica the bearded truth um here on the muddy waters media platform and i'm so incredibly excited to be here and so thankful to matt and matt and spike for giving me the opportunity to come out here and talk to you guys as your neighborhood friendly libertarian of course, want to give a big shout out to Eskimo Libertarian who is in the chat right now. And of course, Cajun Libertarian as well, as they are the newcomers to the Muddy Water muddy waters media team and uh what a fantastic um duo they are on and if you guys haven't missing those shows, you guys gotta tune in Friday nights uh with them. Lily says your haircuts look good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lily. And um but yeah, so 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 excited to be here on Muddy Waters Media talking about these things as we continue on with the segments of, of taking a deeper dive into topics, talking about it from the Republican point of view, talking about it from the Democratic point of view, and 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 pushing forward to find out what is the solution instead of what is a band-aid that we can apply. And so we're gonna dive into that in a um spat or make. <laughs> I think it would be spat. I gotta put spike first i'm just kidding i'm just kidding matt don't don't hate me but um but i do um i do want to bring up 
something that was referenced by Eskimo Libertarian. The the peppers. Um, if you guys missed last Tuesday's show, I was I was so honored. Um, I was speechless because of the peppers, but I was speechless because I was, I, I had the honor of going on for Muddy Waters Media with both um matt and spike and this was actually i believe it was the first time that all three of us have been on one platform together we've had attempts before in the past and that was referenced there that night but um this was the first time that we actually came together and in in order for people to see me in pain and suffering and to donate to a fantastic cause and um if you guys are interested in what that cause is i just popped it into the chat there um this is the gofundme to help a family um as they continue to battle for for uh custody of their daughter and with the most well-being um of her in mind and so at this time we're not able to talk about any of the specificities of it or any of the uh, any of the um specifics of it but in time this family is looking forward to coming out and and sharing their details and give thanks and everything else so if you guys have not been able to donate or if you guys have managed to find a couple coins in your in your couch and you guys want to help out that family the gofundme is still up and they were they would be incredibly appreciated this is a family that has been endorsed by spike cohen himself by matt wright himself and of course by me as well as we continue to work towards helping them out um so we've all been able to know a little bit more about this story in order to ensure the 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 validity of it and and to verify that it is a an absolutely important cause and and so i'm incredibly blessed to be able to help them out any way that i can so if you guys do have an opportunity to help them out it would be much appreciated and um as we do push forward um, from the Tuesday night show, as more donations came in, I ate hotter and hotter peppers and I turned redder and redder, um, enough to where, yes, the hair just magically fell out. Thankfully it fell out in a very, um, I would say in a very trendy way, if you will. So I'm grateful for that. But, um, the push still goes on for this family as they are continuing to be in pain. Um, we did get to the first big milestone there and we got to $2,500 that night um, donated so it was amazing to see the Muddy Waters crew come together um, I can put up my own personal GoFundMe and I will I am basically saving up those PayPal or I'm saving up that money um, and to make it I gotta look it up um, and I will make a bigger donation towards the end of this um with everybody who has made a personal um made personal donations give me one moment please all right i have it i can type it into now so if you guys are having difficulty with the um with donating through gofundme feel free to use paypal.me slash bearded truth should have been really easy for me to figure out but it wasn't um <clears throat> legendary beard of liberty has arrived i've been here cajun i appreciate you coming in though man welcome in so it's um so there we have it the links 
for both the GoFundMe as well as for my personal PayPal. I promise you guys, I am keeping track of it. I actually cleared it out before that stream. And so everything that's in that account, everything that comes into PayPal will be going to this. So even if you guys are like, hey, Jason just did some great services and I want to donate to him. Um, if you guys want to donate to me during this stream or any time in the future, guess what? It's going to this family. <laughs> so um so it's all it's all good and i appreciate that no don't worry about that eskimo um i appreciate that that looking out uh teeks welcome in from twitch so fantastic stuff on the horizon there as we continue to show our voluntarist roots and and help out families that are in need without the necessity of using government forces in order to ensure that protection so we have a topic to get into, and I am so incredibly excited for it. Um, healthcare. I want to start off with a disclaimer that um, that I feel like a lot of people don't really hit, that don't really talk about, and that is that all of us, every single one of us, whether we are libertarian, we are Republican, we are um, Democratic, or even outside of the parties, I believe that we all have the the same desire, and that is for a healthcare system to provide the service of healthcare to as many people as possible, to not cause harm to them, i.e. either um, through malpractice or damages to their pocketbooks, um, and that we want to see as many people flourish and to be protected and to be cured and to be um, just all of the different services that are provided through healthcare. We want to see this happen in great abundance. And so we all have the same desires of the outcome. It's just a matter of the way that we get there is often the thing that trips us up the most. And so I, I of course, want to start off this discussion with saying, you know, I agree with everybody on on the desires and and so tonight is going to be a little bit of a dive into some of those points and to see is this truly going to be working out in in the favor of 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 our society um and we already have some comments coming in about what some of the opinions and there are in and let's not let's not um Let's not be afraid to say it. There are virtually millions of different opinions on how to fix the healthcare system. So I'm going to talk about some of the ones that I I, I personally hold, um, as well as highlight some of the the issues I see with a lot of the systems that are already in place that people are advocating that we fall into. Um, because as we look through the media, as we look through um, through our social media pages, whether it's on Facebook, whether we're looking at seeing what people are talking about on YouTube, on TikTok, on on Twitch, on Twitter, uh, there's a lot of T's. But um, what other T ones do we have on social media? But as we look out there, um, people have always got those little gotchas as to why like this other system doesn't work. And I agree for the most part, a lot of systems aren't going to work. Um, as I've discussed in the past, maybe not on, on any of these shows, but oftentimes your criticisms of another of another system usually hold some merit. Sometimes it doesn't. So we have to we have to actually take a dive into those to understand them as much as possible. I appreciate it. Appreciate that, Eskimo. I've got I think I've got some like nervous hiccups going on now. This is this is always fun. <laughs> um as you guys can tell i'm still i'm still nervous to be in front of you guys because i i love you guys and i respect you guys and i don't want to steer you guys wrong um and i know that there's an opportunity there um 
Ooh, Cassie brings up a, a heartfelt point. Uh, the price itself is ridiculous. An ER visit to the hospital for four hours was billed to the insurance for $11,000. And we will talk a little bit about health uh, coverage or like health care itself and how it translates to health insurance. Um, the libertarian view uh, from Wade Crumb, the libertarian view, I would guess, would be self-responsibility. And this can be superimposed onto healthcare. Well, it would be in one essence of it. But at the same time, when you have a system that is so manipulated, and we'll get into this, of course, when a system is so manipulated, controlled and, and guided, um, it's no longer just about you trying to navigate those waters when, when there's so many barriers in the way of better healthcare. So we will get into this all, and I'm so excited for it. So I first want to start off with talking about, of course, one of the most predominant arguments that we see, universal health care. Um, universal health care is one of those systems in which everybody who uses universal health care has a different um, factor that they're focused on, hyper-focused on even, if you will. Um, and so when we look at, at, at these universal systems, are they looking to make sure that it's 100% universal and cost-effective to where they're, they're, they're suppressing the cost as much as possible to ensure that people, um, that taxes aren't being raised as much, that people aren't having to pay out of pocket when they go in, um, or are they looking to make it universal and trying to figure out a way to push for absolute speedy, um, speedy appointments and coverage and care and seeing specialists and seeing surgeons? Um, there, there are very few examples of this, but, um, but there are attempts at this. Now, of course, if if you if you recognize there's three things three criteria i spoke about there's universality right the idea that everybody is is incorporated into the system and i think that that's a a very noble cause um there is the the, the desire for as much quality as possible right you just want to be able to get seen and get taken care of and you want to know that when you go home at the end of the day you got the best physician um they diagnosed you properly they gave you the right medication and you are well on your way to becoming better fantastic um aspect to be looking at um and then of course the cost right you want to drive those costs down because you don't want to hurt people you don't want to make it a barrier for people to be seen you want to make sure that people are able to be seen regardless of what walk of life or where at in the walk of life that they are, right? You want to be able to see somebody who may have been down on their luck and, and is now homeless, be able to go and, and get seen in, in a physician. You don't want to have barriers in the way of them. And that is a fantastic aspect to be concerned with. So we have three very important aspects that I agree are incredibly important. They're, they're, they have to be one of the most important things that we look at because they are the three things that make up any kind of a service or a good, right? So we want to have the highest level of degree of success in all three of those. You want to have as many people getting seen um, with the highest rate of success and with the minimum amount of damages done to them and to the market. Now, how do we get to that? 
So when you have universal health care, right, you can never actually legislate to have all three of these things. And and I'll explain why. And um, and I, I think I want to start off with Puerto Rico first. We're going to talk about some specific examples. Puerto Rico um, has a federal cap that was enacted by the, the U.S. government. Um, and in the way that this worked was that they they capped out how much money was going to be allowed to be spent on administrators uh, allowed to be spent towards um, doctors allowed to be spent towards nurses towards the staff that clean the buildings towards the buildings themselves there's a cap overlaying everything but universal healthcare people can go get seen and, and, you know, the the desire, the demand that people are taking care of is is legislated within it, um, within the within the government of Puerto Rico. So there is those two aspects that they they drove to be very important. Um, the cost and the universality. But as it has played out. As a result of this, we have seen doctors flee from Puerto Rico because while they were making on average around $44,000 a year, and and I, I, I would be remiss without saying there's people in our audience right now watching us that are enjoying this stream, and I appreciate each and every one of you guys being here, that make more than $44,000 a year. Um, and, and to go to an emotional argument, if you're out there saving lives, maybe you deserve a little bit more money than that. Um, but they were making on average $44,000 a year while American doctors were making on average about $99,000 a year. So about half. So many of these doctors realize this and they have started fleeing. Most of them have gone to New York, I, or not in New York, I apologize, to Florida, specifically like Miami, but they've been moving to Florida and they've been um, since the times of, of, I believe the number started back in like 2014 to 2020. There was uh, uh, 1,300 doctors that had left Puerto Rico. Um, uh, greater than 10% of the doctors had left. And so while you try to force down the wages, you try to force down the costs, um, what you do is you cause some of these doctors who were profi- performing well, who were providing a great service, a necessary service to those within their 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 communities you cause them to leave you cause them to go um you cause them to to flee to other areas to where they can make an actual living the doctors that remain they are understaffed because their other staff members have have made same decisions of either leaving that market or moving out of area and continuing to pursue this market um as well as they're working incredibly long hours. So these wages are stagnated, they're frozen, they're, they, they can't go any higher. But as more and more doctors start leaving, their hours demanded of them continue to go up. And so there's more and more frustrations and so there's a desire there that we need, <laughs> I just love Matt Wright's comment. <laughs> that we that they need to to have a change there so that's a drastic that's a that's a a catastrophic situation there that's going on in puerto rico the people of puerto rico really need to to have health care and and sadly their system there in part due to the federal mandate 
put in place by our federal government, but also just by their 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 dealings within their own um, within their own nation. Um, has led them down a dark path. Um, want to talk a little bit about Canada? Canada, our friends to the north. So we talk to our south, and let's talk to talk to them uh, to the north. Um, in Canada, they also have kind of a of of a gap there that they want to keep the wages down, but they also want to keep the universal um, healthcare. Now there is an option, of course, in Canada where if you make good money, you can pay cash. You can leave the public um, healthcare system and go and take care of yourself. So hopefully, if you guys live in Canada or if you guys know anyone living in Canada, they uh, make enough money to where they can go pay cash in one of these private healthcare providers because if they have to go to um, to one of the public ones, the wait time is egregious. The wait time is absolutely egregious. Um, here was a here was a study that was performed. Patients in Canada waited on average nineteen point eight weeks. Nineteen point eight of four average. It's five months to receive treatment, regardless whether they were able to see a specialist or not. In the U.S., the average wait time for a first time appointment is twenty four days, which is three times faster than Canada. Wait times in emergency room average twenty four minutes, which is more than four times faster than Canada. And wait times for specialists range between three to six weeks, which is over six times faster than in Canada. So what we have there is we have another system where we see that just trying to focus on the financial part of it and focus on the universality, that wait times to be seen um, it increases those wait times. It does not increase the quality of care. It does not increase um, the guarantee that you will be seen. Um, there have been many reports and many uh, news articles written on on individuals who died waiting for life-saving surgeries because merely these schedules are booked out because there's so many people in need and not enough of a supply. The scarcity is a thing within economics, and it's certainly... As much as many people would desire that um, healthcare not be one of those things driven by economics, it sadly is. Um, is that a tinfoil hat next to Jason? <laughs> it actually is a lion, um, but the light causes it to um, to make it different. Um, Eskimo Libertarian was here earlier. Oh, oh yeah, never mind. I'm slow. Um, so, so we're seeing some issues with those systems, right? And, and when we look across the world, when we look across the globe and people want to talk about Norway or Sweden or Finland or, um, Germany and all these other systems, right? We can find glaring issues with the way that they're structured and set up. Um, so maybe universal healthcare with that universality is, is a struggle because, it, it forces the other two, one of them to suffer, right? The, between universality, the spending, and the quality. But what if we focus on the other two? Is that a possibility? We'll get to that, of course, in a little bit. I want to go to another universal healthcare system that we have in the United States. And this, is, of course, is the Veterans Affairs. So... For anyone who thinks that, um, well, maybe the American government can provide a universal healthcare system here in the States, and this will, um, 
and this will lead us to be better off. Well, the veter- the VA is effectively a universal healthcare system for veterans of the United States Armed Forces, right? So whether you're Marines, um, Navy, Army, I guess they're going to add the, the Coast Guard and the Air Force. I'm kidding, of course. But they're going to add all these things. And, and so these individuals who served our country and, and either A, had a disability upon leaving, they were um, discharged honorably, or any of other things, um, they are now able to utilize the VA system. Now, the VA system is much like what we were discussing with, uh, with Canada, wherein they have incredibly long wait times um and even worse than that the quality of care is absolutely catastrophic um i for a short period after leaving the navy um during my time um i was going to the veterans affairs for uh, for some health care concerns that i had um during my time in in the military and as a result of this i was treated as a guinea pig and was giving tester medication so i was effectively a guinea pig for the fda to to run trials to see if this was going to be good if this was going to be bad what the side effects were um some of those situations were way worse than others um so that was incredibly um terrifying for not just me but for my family as a whole um but you see if you if you look at um across the country there are still reports to this day and and certainly right we've we've seen the uh the attempts by government by federal government right um with very small minuscule changes um being applied to through different uh veteran bills through different spending bills and through different omnibus bills um where they say now the VA is fixed. Um, and sadly, we still see veterans of war. We see veterans of peace, of quote unquote peacetime who never served time in war, um, like actually deploying and everything else. We see where people who are in need that are veterans that were promised a good healthcare system. Um, still going out and committing suicide in the parking lots and inside of these veteran affairs uh, medical clinics. There are some VAs that are much better than others, but the problem has always been is that it is incredibly volatile with where you go. Um, Some places are great. Some places are absolutely terrible. But this is truly, truly shows exactly what it is when you get universal health care. Um, because you don't have any real control over how they function or how they work, right? We have to petition to the federal government in order to fix the systems or to say, look, this one down here and, and, and for example, um, not even saying specifically, but like if there's one in Charleston, right? The Charleston one is just terrible. And, and so we need to fix it because of this, this, and this, right? And then imagine how long it's going to take for them to address it and everything else. Um, there were some bills that came through, such as the Mission Act, where they were actually looking to take veterans and say, look, the VA is not going to be able to take care of you because you're so far away because of this, that or the other. Right. They couldn't get you an appointment within 60 days, things like this, that you could go to a private clinic and, and you would be reimbursed. Right. If that's your fix, 
<laughs> I mean, it, it shows an indication that the system itself is not working. So I think when we look at, at universal healthcare, we can find a pretty glaring issue of the quality of care that people are receiving. Um, and this is this is true regardless of where you go, um, unless you're looking at spending upwards of sixty percent of your GDP. Um, in order just to funnel it into your healthcare system to ensure that there's so much money being dumped into it that you can you can drive people to come in to take care of it, but it's 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 not a, a sustainable thing. And even some of the Nordic countries are pulling back on some of the social social safety nets. So <clears throat> so we've discussed that aspect of it, and I want to discuss some of the legislations that we've had here in the states. Um, over time that have contributed to either contributed to some of the problems that we face in our healthcare system or has actually not addressed it at all, but people will praise it as, as if it is fixing things. And of course I want to, when, when I speak with, um, when I speak with Republicans on the right, Reagan was, was the greatest in their opinion. Well, was one of the greatest. Now, now, arguably, a lot of them say Trump is. But Reagan was great, and one of the things that Reagan did was the the Cobra Bill. Um, so he signed Cobra into law, and and Cobra was was to directly affect the way healthcare is provided in this country. There were things such as, um, even if you have no ability, no, no desire to pay for your healthcare, you can go to any hospital if you are in dire need, um, and they will be forced to treat you. Um, but there's also things that didn't really address issues, but it made people feel better, such as in COBRA, um, if you are an employee and you are laid off, fired, or just lose your job for any reason, um, you can have up to 18 months of, of your health insurance be maintained. Now, America is one of the only nations or is the only nation that has health insurance tied to an employer. Um, this was, of course, this was due back in the early 1900s where wages were were stopped were halted by um the government and so employers had to find ways of of giving more benefits right to increase your wages without directly giving you a a check and so they got into paying for people's insurance and so as a result of this, over time now, um, the market has pushed more and more people to be forced into um, working for an employer in order to get your health insurance. So what COBRA did was now that your employer is giving you health insurance and is paying roughly around 30%, 60% if it's a great company, 100% if it's a phenomenal company that really cares about its people, I didn't say that, um, but if if you lose your job for 18 months, you can actually maintain your health insurance. Now, the key here, of course, is that you're going to pay roughly around 102% of of your health insurance. So you're going to pay 100% of it by yourself and then usually it's around 2% administrative fees just to, just to keep things right. So... Um, 
as we look into this conversation around healthcare, of course, health insurance and the cost of healthcare is such an important factor um, that Cobra was there for the wealthy. It wasn't there for the middle class, and it certainly is not there for for those lower on the economic scale. Um, so we can see where something that has been has been wildly approved by so many doesn't actually affect most Americans, especially now, as cost of healthcare, as cost of insurance, cost of premiums, and actual out of pocket and everything else that have driven up so so far. Um, in more recent news, of course, the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010 under President Obama. This has been a, a point of discussion for a lot of people. Um, this has been a point of discussion for a lot of people as to how we can justifiably fix our health insurance, which would then fix our health care. And, and I, I do have to disagree with this. Um, couple quick points on this. So it restructured health insurance across the country, um, which caused many health insurance companies to actually close their doors um, because there's nothing better than, than closing down some businesses by forcing them into restructuring. And and I agree that there's a, there's a lot of issues that when we see um, the lack of coverage or the lack of, of, yeah, the lack of coverage for some incidents, it's, it's difficult to bear that. And it's difficult to, to not have an emotional response to it. Um, but the restructuring actually hurt the market in, in, in many different ways. Um, individual plans, individual coverages um, became a little more difficult to obtain. In some states, you lost all um, insurance companies from actually doing this, from allowing you to get into the pool as an individual. So I meant that you were forced to either a become an entrepreneur or not, not to become an entrepreneur, but to, to be a part of a bigger business, to be a part of that pool, to join in and to be a part of the, the insurance pool. Um, or you won't without, um, it's still, it was, it was pro- proposed as legislation that would actually would reduce premiums and many people flaunt this, um, inaccurately. Because it didn't actually reduce premiums, it reduced the rate in which premiums increased for a short period of time, but it did not it did not in any way reduce the cost of health insurance or health care in this country. So we're we're talking about a band-aid on that. And probably my most um difficult part of Affordable Care Act to understand um how it was accepted was the individual mandate and the individual mandate um for if in if we have anyone younger than me for for i'm proud of you for being here first of all but um the individual mandate of course is that if you do not have health insurance when you file your taxes they're going to ask you did you have health insurance and you have to say yes or no um if you did not have health insurance for any reason whether you didn't want it didn't need it or could not afford it um they would penalize you this was the individual mandate now currently right now we do have a challenge coming up to the supreme court potentially if they take up the case on whether um the individual mandate is a constitutional and b if it is inseverable from 
the Affordable Care Act? And both of these questions are incredibly important. So if the individual mandate is deemed to be unconstitutional, and I'd argue that it is unconstitutional because there's no constitutional authority to force uh, citizens to purchase anything, including permits or, or what have you, um, but even within the guise of of or the attempt that people have had of using the commerce clause or the general welfare clause which i would argue is a constitutional um at best um there there isn't much grounds there for for that fines and fees fines and fees for not purchasing something it, it, it's inter- it's an interesting ploy that's been used and um certainly uh justice kavanaugh um, then Judge Kavanaugh had an opinion on that that actually helped get Affordable Care Act passed by calling it um, calling it a fee rather than a tax. Um, but but nonetheless, so if it is ruled unconstitutional, which I would argue is the correct decision on that, the the question then becomes: Can the Affordable Care Act itself stand with or without? The individual mandate and of course the individual mandate was a money grabber for this because those people who didn't want insurance or couldn't afford insurance when we take money from them we're able to put it into the pool and allow for the affordable care act to continue on with the insurance um that it was providing and and it helps um subsidize the the entire movement so we've seen a lot of over the years, we've seen a lot of attempts. I, I'm definitely excited for having Cajun on to talk about the Affordable Care Act. He was the guy that like popped into my head when I, when we go deeper into a deeper dive on topics, I definitely want to have him on to talk about the Affordable Care Act for sure. Great point, Eskimo. Um, I'm just telling you guys all full transparency here on the show, right? Um, you guys get to hear it all, but. Um, so throughout the years, we have seen attempts, partisan attempts at changing legislation, at, at trying to restructure this, tweak it and, and fine tune it. But I think we've missed the mark in so many different ways, um, because when we when we just try to tweak a broken system, just tweaking, it's not going to fix it, especially when the tweaking is what has been making it worse off and worse off year after year after year, bill after bill after bill, law after law after law. Eventually, the insanity has to sink in and we have to realize it ourselves, look ourselves in the mirror and demand better. And so that's what I'm really hoping for from this conversation that we're having tonight. And so I want to talk about one more thing before I get into some of the solutions that I see. This one is one of those topics that truly does get people angered up. And I, I, I promise you I'm here for it, but at the same time, I don't have time for it tonight. But um, I'm going to say it, and, and I don't know if you guys are ready for me to say this, but the topic of abortion. Whew, whew. I said it. I said it. Abortion. It's a healthcare thing, right? You have people on both sides of the aisle that um, have their justifications as to why they why they believe in what they do. It's an incredibly sensitive 
issue and it's not one that we can just dictate over others we've learned that the government doing prohibition um, has not been effective tool and has not led to the intended um, consequences but there are things that we can do that make people safer um, certainly abortion um, has been made relatively safe but there are still adverse effects for it um, but there's ways of stopping abortions from occurring at all and I, I think that that's one thing that regardless on which side of the aisle you stand on um, within this discussion I think that voluntarily reducing the number of abortions would be an overall net benefit to society especially if we can make it um maintain it as voluntary but also make it to where people are much happier uh with the surrounding topics and so this is going to be another rabbit hole that we can dive down into birth control yes pam is already on the ball so some of the topics that that come around with abortion we we look at the last step in this right when when somebody may be at the very last step and decide to have an abortion now there we've seen some people who are very proud who claim to shout your abortion and um that arguably will go out and and have um intercourse in order to create um, create life and then to end it through an abortion, right? This is not a conversation for them. But for for many people who do have an abortion, it's not an easy topic for them even. It wasn't an easy decision for them. And so ways that we can look at this, um, when, when a woman wants to be on birth control, right now the way that the system is structured is that she has to go and see a doctor. And so once she sees her doctor, her doctor is going to talk to her about what's right for her. And then she will give her, the doctor will give her a prescription. She goes to to a pharmacy and gets filled out for a prescription. If she wants to keep going, right, she has to, you know, over time, she has to go in and get checkups and make sure that everything's working and functioning the way that she wants to. And then she can go and get more prescriptions and continue on down this path. Now, as the system sits right now, that is costly. Unless there's, of course, there are some programs or some some service providers that that do find a way to make this more affordable to be seen and to be given these prescriptions and everything else. Um, but this needs to be more readily available by allowing for birth control to be sold over the counter. Um, by making it easy and affordable without the need of an appointment, the overall cost will be lowered, enabling more women to have more control over their reproductive health and have a much greater success in their own family planning. This, of course, is a, is a great idea, right? We are not going to be able to demand people to not have intercourse when they're not ready for children, right? No matter the finger wagging, it just doesn't end in that way. Um, and so, so this is one step that we can do. I don't want to get into like the adoptions and the foster care and and um, looking at all the different forms of contraceptives and ways of finding to make those easier to to 
easier and more affordable for uh for both men and women but um but f- focusing more on the pharmaceutical side of things the cost for somebody to get any kind of pharmaceutical not just birth control um it it does go up And and so I want to find ways to break down this barrier for as many people as we can. And I think that certainly, right, looking at birth control is one important way. When we talk about finding ways of making healthcare more affordable. So as as we discussed with the universal healthcare, that there's three aspects, right? There's the universality, there's the affordability, and there's the quality. And we want to have as as high in all three of those factors as possible. But of course, as you pull towards two, the third is left out or or diminished. Um, and 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 that's the struggle because you want the highest degree of all three of them. Do you want seventy percent across the way? Do you want a hundred, hundred and and forty? Right? Where do you want to land this at the end? And and I think that the best answer for this is to look at how some of the systems have functioned in the past how the systems are functioning now understanding general good market techniques and understanding some of the bad legislation that is still in the books so we can look at how we can make i i have a study that was done to show legislation that's in 35 states in Washington, D.C. that increases the cost of health care by 40%. It drastically reduces the quality of health care by 40%. And of course, these are not universal health care systems. So as the cost goes up, you have less and less people that can access um, health care, let alone if they're in a rural area. Um, so... I'm, of course, talking about a law called Certificate of Need. Now, um, I've spoken about Certificate of Need plenty of times, and I realize I only have about 10 minutes left. Oh, my God, I'm a libertarian. Uh, (laughs) um, Certificate of Need laws. What are they? How do they work? And which states don't have them? So if you guys are from Texas, from uh, California, from Idaho, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, uh, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, Kansas, almost said Panama, uh, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire. You do not have to worry about this conversation. This is not applicable to your state. But it is still important for you to hear it. Um, It's just not applicable to you, thankfully. You guys are actually are the constant. You guys are the proof that certificate of need laws do not work so brief synopsis of what certificate of need laws are certificate of need laws are a was a federal mandate back in the 70s that quickly was removed now how often do we know about bills that have been uh, enacted at the federal level and then removed i can think of prohibition um i'm sure that there's a couple other smaller ones but this one is an important one So when it was enacted as a federal mandate, it spread across all 50 states. And then it was removed as a federal mandate, and we still have, as I said, 35 states and D.C. still maintaining certificate of need. And what this is, is for any medical provider who's looking to provide services or goods, 
within the healthcare system or the healthcare industry um, or to expand their already existing um, healthcare providers um, or service provider, um, they must request through the Certificate of Need Board or through a government agency working like their Certificate of Need Board um, and petition to them what changes they would like to see and why. And so as they petition, part of the review process in all these states is that they verify that there is not somebody else who has a certificate need in that area. So if in my area of northern uh, South Carolina, north northwestern part of South Carolina, um, we are we have Prisma Healthcare who has the certificate need in our area. So if I decided that because I saw a lack of care, uh, an increasing number of costs or a, a, a monumental jump in costs for the average uh, South Carolinian to go through Prisma Healthcare, for me to go into to providing healthcare for this area, I have to go to the Certificate Need Board and request to them, hey, I would like to provide healthcare um, in this area. And so I can have all of the important information and give them everything that they need in order for them to uh, feel justified in my cause. And what they would do is they once they've basically almost got ready to stamp it, yes, they give it to Prisma. Prisma, do you want to have this competition? And of course, of course, Prisma goes, yes, no, no, of course not. They say no. And so then starts my legal battle in order to do this. Um, we had in Fort Mill, South Carolina in 2002, an entity decided that they wanted to start providing health care. And so they requested and petitioned to the certificate need board in order to start. And when they sent this off to the current provider or the current holder of the certificate need, in the area you can have multiple entities having certificate need but they had the monopoly at that time which is what certificate need laws creates um when they brought it to them they said absolutely not and took them to court well a mere 18 years later they finally got the approvals and now they're finally erecting their healthcare uh um provider uh buildings in Fort Mill, South Carolina. So it only took them 18 years and millions upon millions of dollars and when they could have been providing healthcare in those areas. Um, so this is just one one aspect of it. This is not just providing those services and then you get a blank slate and you, you can do what you want as long as you stay within those. No, no, no. So if you, a part of the, the request is to say how many rooms you want. How many beds you want? How many, you know, how many pieces of medical equipment you want? And including as COVID came through, how many ventilators do you want? And if you ever decide you want to change them, you have to go back and petition and it goes to any of your competitors in the area because they want to make sure that the people need it and not that you just want to take advantage of a market. Does this make sense to you guys? Like, I, I'm sure that the words make sense, but does this make sense to you guys in an economic thinking of we need to have as much control and, and allow for monopolies to stand and they're backed by government and that somehow this is going to make people better off in the long run? I don't think so. So as COVID came through on 
torn on the date, March of 2020. Um, it was either the 13th or the 17th. But March of 2020, when it was declared a national emergency, many states declared their own mass national emer- or state of emergency in which many of them addressed certificate need laws. Here in South Carolina, we did suspend certificate need laws to allow for um what in the uh, coming months when they thought that ventilators would be important for the recovery and um livability of people with covid they were able to just go and get ventilators as any medical provider should be able to do they should be able to meet those needs of, of their patients, of their communities, and be able to make those changes without the necessity of going and petitioning to the government or petitioning to their competitors of saying, I would like to provide this service because people are in need. But rather that if you are providing a service in an area and you see that there's a higher demand for one aspect of your field, that you are specialized in, that you should be able to do what is necessary in order to provide for those. That should be the need. So we have certificate of need laws in place. And I believe I've already said it, but but the states that don't have certificate of need laws, they have roughly around 40% lower cost because there are more healthcare providers in those areas. Because you have rural people who don't have to travel as far to be seen because you have more people competing. And so they're going to, of course, try to find ways to cut um, cut the cost to the consumer so that they can provide a better care, so that they can um, ensure that people keep coming back to them so that they can continue battling it out and keep sustaining themselves and keep making a living for themselves. And you have this competition that allows for actual good market principles in which quality goes up costs goes down and and as a result more people are able to be seen those are the three metrics that we've been talking about universality spending and quality you can see the spending go down the cost to the consumer go down you can see the quality improve over time you can see more and more people be seen because when they're in a rural area and they're traveling right now in my state, we have people that are traveling four to five counties to be seen for appointments with specialists. Allowing for more specialists to pop up is only better for the people in those areas. If they decide that there's a better one a little bit further away and they decide to make that trek, the person that's hurting is the specialist near them because they are not providing a good enough service. So either they'll correct themselves or they'll go out of business. And this is why it's so important for me that we, when we have these kinds of discussions. The goal of certificate need laws when implemented are the exact opposite of, of what the actual results were. They desire to increase the competitiveness within the markets. It desired to ensure that the market was able to respond in an organized manner to be able to provide for the service and goods. It was supposed to ensure that the prices did not go up. It was to ensure that quality was still important. But when you lose the competitiveness within a market, stagnation is imminent. 
And that's what we've seen across this nation in 35 states in Washington, D.C. So we can look at that and we can see an objective truth. We can see the studies. We can see the results. We can look at, at, at different parts of, of health care, which arguably may not be health care, but we can see different medical fields such as LASIK eye surgery, RPK eye surgery, or even plastic surgery, where they have not been hit and regulated and controlled and, and manipulated in the same way that, that you know emergency rooms, general practices, OBGYN, surgeons, specialists have been hit with these regulations, controls, and, and, and everything else because feelings, but... When you look at those specifics I was talking about before, the LASIK and the the plastic surgery, what we have seen from them over time is that the cost for you to get those surgeries drastically is is cutting itself drastically year after year. It's becoming cheaper and cheaper that now you have middle class people going out and, and getting some of these things. You have it to where LASIK eye surgery is affordable. For, for middle America, you have to where the, um, the results, the quality of the results, more people are seeing 2020 coming out of LASIK eye surgery than when it first began. You have more people not looking deformed as a result of their, their plastic surgery. They look more natural. You have shorter healing times. You have people genuinely more satisfied with the services that are being rendered through those services because they've not been controlled in the way that our government has been controlling our healthcare system. And so with that on my mind, with that in my understanding, um, we often talk about banning. Um, I, I say we, there are many people that talk about banning insurance companies. There are people that are talking about banning, um, you know, banning Closing your doors and not allowing people to come in. We talk about um, forcing universal health care. We force um, a stagnation of wages or a, a ceiling for wages. We talk about a lot of these things. And as an end result, what we are doing is we're shooting our own market in the foot. And, and we miss the mark on understanding that the American health care um, market is one of the things that allows for a lot of these other markets to survive because within our market, we also have the research and development teams. We have the innovations through medical equipment, through medical treatments and everything else where we are providing this over the years. We're sending out all this information and helping those other nations that have decided to go to universal healthcare where they've, they've, they're not allocating as much money or they're not allowing for as much money to, to go into these research and development um, teams. And so we are literally sitting here with it, with an entity that is allowing for not just us to be okay, but to help out other nations be okay. And, and for me, myself, I want to see this goodness be unleashed. I want to see our fullest potential of how good we can have of a healthcare system. I want to see how great of quality. I want to see us kick cancer's ass. I want to see us be able to take terminal illnesses and turn them into a, 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 
a walk in the park. Uh, simply come in, get seen, get taken care of, and on your way back out to enjoy life once again. I want to see just how good of a healthcare system that we can have. And I'm I'm so concerned that we become so attached to, to some of these emotional arguments because, I mean, healthcare is so incredibly important. I understand the sensitivity around it. I understand the desire to find a fix. But we're not going to find it through legislation. We're not going to find it through these controls and regulation. We're going to find it with the people who are desiring to make those changes, who are desiring to make the impact, who took the Hippocratic Oath and and driving forward, but they're hitting barrier after barrier right now. And so my plea to you all is to join me in helping fight to break down some of these barriers. Hmm. But I, I... I, I, I plead with you guys all to join in to to share this out to help um, spread the message on on how we can better healthcare system and and of course I'm always here for to to learn more as well as to to help share with what I've been learning and um, I'm looking forward to continuing on with this conversation and as I said in the beginning we're gonna dive deeper into these specific topics in the future shows um, and we'll have some guests on. To be able to help spice it up a little bit. But I want you guys to know. That I love you guys. I appreciate you guys all. And um, make sure that if you guys are not already prepared to do so. You guys hop on over to the Cajun Libertarian Show. He's going to be on tonight. In about uh, 26 minutes. So 9.30 freedom time. That's eastern time. And then make sure you guys get back here tomorrow night. Tuesday night for Muddy Waters of Freedom. Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be seeing My Fellow Americans with Spike Cohen himself. Thursday night, Writer's Block with Matt Wright. And Friday night with Cajun and Eskimo. It'll be a fantastic time from Bayous to Igloos. Always a good show with it. And uh, I'm so glad to see Muddy Waters be Monday through Friday now, guys. And I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. You're getting a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different um, views. And this is what allows for a society to be better. If I can just reflect on that for a second. This is what allows for a society to be better. Not that we have an echo chamber here. Yes, we're all libertarians, but we all have a different spin. We all have a different take and they all resonate in a different way. And that's what I love about the Muddy Waters team. So with that, um, with that guys, I'm going to bid you all adieu. I made it one hour and five minutes i i try to keep it within an hour but i'm just too damn libertarian if you will but i love you guys all i appreciate you all so much and uh i will catch you guys next week monday at 8 p.m eastern i'll be back love you all catch you guys soon